As we start today's message, I wanted to tell you a story uh, that I read this past week, and it's about a woman who was waiting at an airport, and she had several hours before her flight, so she bought a bag of cookies, and she found a place to sit down, and as she sat there engrossed in her book, she noticed that the guy next to her grabbed a cookie from the bag that was in between them, and she thought to herself, And if I wasn't so nice, I'd like punch him in the throat. And so with each cookie that she took, he would take one also and just smile at her and eat it. And when the bag got down to just one cookie, she wondered like, so now now what's he going to do? With a big smile on his face, he took that last cookie, he broke it in half, and he offered her half of it, and he ate the rest. She snatched it from him, and she thought, this guy's got some nerve. Like, I can't believe he is so rude. He, and so then her flight was called. She gathers up all of her stuff. She heads to the gate. And once she boards the plane, she sank into her seat, still angry about the nerve of this guy who, to eat half of her cookies. And as she reached into her purse, a feeling of dread came over her because there in her carry-on was her bag of cookies. <laughs> She thought, if Miner hears the other cookies were his, (laughs) and he was kind enough to share without saying a word. Too late to apologize, and she realized that she was the rude one. She was the one that stole the cookies and then got angry for no reason. So today, we're talking about another relationship killer, anger. And so when it comes to anger, we've got to ask this question, okay? What if, what if? Sometimes when we're angry, it's really coming from inside us. So we're in our second message of this series, and we're calling it Relationship Killers. And in this four-week journey that we're taking, we're tackling some of the major issues that threaten relationships. And the Apostle Paul, he showed us last week how to win in our relationships. He actually said, run in such a way to win, to get the prize. And everybody who competes in the games goes into strict training. And so we're going into training to win, to win in our marriages, to win in our relationships, to win in our families. And and last week, here's what we learned, is that neglect in a relationship leads to regret in a relationship. But nurturing leads to fulfillment. And that's the theme for this whole series, because if we neglect some of these relationship killers, they will kill our marriages, our relationships. If we refuse to deal with them, they are going to affect us, and not in a good way. So today, we're going to address this issue of anger, all right, and why it's such a powerful emotion in so many of our lives, and why it inflicts so much damage in the relationships that are around us. And as we dive into this relationship of anger today, I wanna take just a minute to remind us of the words of Jesus. And if you've got your Bibles, Matthew 15, Matthew was a tax collector and, and a sinner who became a follower of Jesus. And Matthew captured his perspective of Jesus's life during the time that he was Jesus's disciples. And in his account called the Gospel of Matthew, he tells us, that Jesus said this. Jesus said, the things that come out of a person's mouth 
come from the heart. There it is again, right? And these defile them. Defile means that these things, they desecrate us. They, they put us at odds with God and put us at odds with others. They put us at odds with God because they put us at odds with others that God loves. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, for out of the heart or out of us, whatever word you want to use, out of the heart come evil thoughts. Now, evil thoughts are the first thing, step toward evil deeds, the emotions that swell up on the inside of us. And suddenly, wrong ideas come to mind. And the next thing you know, you're saying things, you're doing things that you wouldn't normally say or do. And Jesus says that the stuff that oftentimes offends us, it actually comes out of us. And the reason it comes out of us, because it was in there to begin with. And most of us, we say, no, it doesn't come from me. It comes from out there. It comes from that guy. It comes from her. But Jesus says, the things that come out of us, it comes from our hearts. In other words, it comes from inside of us. And from those thoughts come stuff like murder and adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony or lying, slandering people. He says, Jesus says, all of these come out of us because they're in us. And Jesus is encouraging us and he's drawing us into a way of monitoring or, or in, encouraging us to monitor our thoughts and our hearts, to monitor what's on the inside, what we allow to live on the inside. Because when our emotions, and a lot of times take control, Things tend to get out of control when our emotions take control. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants thoughts of anger to cause us to bring death to our relationships. Nobody wants our thoughts of anger to be the thing that causes death and damage to our relationships and our marriages. Nobody, and look, nobody around you wants the emotion of anger to get out of control either. We've all seen what happens. We've been on the other side of anger, frustration, even rage. And look, when we talk about anger, we're not just talking about all anger, okay? Because there is a, what, what I call a righteous anger. It, I mean, even Jesus got angry, right? We see a lot of times in the Bible where God got angry. And Paul says, Paul even says, in your anger, don't sin. So he's not saying that all anger is wrong. That's not what we're saying. He's saying, when you do get angry, make sure you don't sin, to which we would say, yeah, but Micah, that's when I do sin. That's when things get out of control. That's, the, that's when things that come out of my mouth that I'd be ashamed for you to hear. Well, that's the anger we're gonna deal with today. But I don't want you to think that all anger causes you to sin. In fact, there, there is a good kind of anger that the world, I think, needs a little bit more of. And we might call it righteous anger, right? And this is the good anger. This is when somebody gets so angry at an injustice or an evil or even like a disease or something that they finally get so fed up, so angry that they just kind of step out and they say, hey, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know what? Somebody needs to do something about this. It's like what we're doing with human trafficking. Somebody's got to do something about that. So they go to work and as a result of righteous anger, some incredible things have happened in the world. I mean, child labor laws, women's suffrage, the, civil, the whole civil rights movement, 
we could go on and on about, and all over the world, throughout history, there have been men and women who finally got so fed up with something that needed to change, and it drove them to bring about that change. Well, Micah, my anger is righteous because I'm always right. There's a difference. See, righteous anger, it, it reflects concern over other people not getting what they deserve, right? When other people are not getting what they deserve, anger over how other people are being treated or how they are being mistreated. And so the anger that we're talking about today is not this anger. It's the anger that drives us crazy, that messes up our relationships, that causes us to look in the mirror at times and just think, what are you thinking? Why did I say that? Why do I behave this way? See, that's the difference. One is constructive, it's helpful, and it causes the average to become heroic. But the anger we're dealing with today, the other side of anger that we need to understand, we need to understand where it comes from, we need to understand how to feel this emotion and not sin, that side of anger, it could be extraordinarily destructive. And it, that anger will always reflect me not getting what I deserve. See, this is how, how I feel when I'm not sure that I'm getting what I deserve. And here's where the problem is. We get these two mixed up. We think that what happens in me, in my heart, is the fault of others. We think, I'm feeling this way, and if he would stop doing this, I would stop wanting to strangle him. And if she would stop saying that, then I wouldn't hate her so much. If my job wasn't like this, if my parents weren't like this, if my kids weren't like this, I would not get so angry. And then Jesus comes along and he says, no, actually, you're not the victim here. Yeah, those things may stir you up, but they're stirring up what's already in there. Jesus says the problem is not external. And even we deceive ourselves if we think it is. Jesus says, out of our heart comes every evil thought. See, the issue is that we think anger comes from something or someone external. And Jesus says, nope, it was in there all along. So then the question becomes, if it's in here and I want to get rid of my anger and if this kind of anger actually has the potential to kill my relationships, if not damage them, kill my marriage, what do I do with the anger that's inside? What do I do with the anger that comes from me not getting what I want? Well, James, Jesus' brother or half-brother, who lived in the first century, and he, he became a leader of the church after Jesus resurrected. And he wrote a book of the Bible. It's called James. And in his book, James actually gives us a principle. And this principle, it's so extraordinary. If we can get our minds and our hearts around it, it could actually change everything, especially in your relationship. So I'm going to walk you through what James says. And warning, it's going to be a little bit offensive. It might even make you push back a little bit and be like, yeah, James, I don't know that it's that simple. But I'm telling you, if we, if you, whatever age you're at, wherever you're at in relationships, if we will embrace this principle that James gives to us, I'm telling you, it'll do more from keeping anger 
from destroying our relationships than anything else that we can do. Here's what James says. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes fights and quarrels? What causes conflict? Now, this is a really interesting question, I think. What causes it? What he's really asking is, what's the root? When some of, because when some of us see this question, we actually say, well, James, you're actually asking the question wrong. It's not what, it's who. It's who causes fights and quarrels. And I know the answer to that question. It's my husband. Every time he says he'll be home on time, he still comes home late. And I'm left with all the kids and their homework. And I got to cook for him. And he never helps out. And he expects me to do everything. And then on top of that, I find his underwear in the bathroom floor. Or it's my wife. No matter how many times I tell her what time we have to leave the house to be somewhere on time, she's never ready when we have to go. She's still not ready. I've been in the car for 10 minutes now, and I have to text the couple that we're meeting and let them know we're going to be there late again. Or it's my teenage daughter. She thinks she knows everything. And the problem is sometimes she's right. <laughs> But it's how she talks to me like I'm stupid. It's how condescending that she is. And I, it seems like I can never do enough for her. She makes me so angry. Or Micah, it's my boss. It's the manager at worst that my anxiety and my frustration just go to a 10 whenever she enters the room. It's my teacher. Everybody else gets by with everything, but she's always picking on me. The problem, Micah, is not a what. The problem is a who. And James is like, yeah, I know you think that, but wrong. It's a what. It's not a who. Because listen, as long as we think it's a who, we'll never get to the real root of the what. So he says, what do fights and quarrels come from? What's the source? And what we want to do, because what we want to do is we want to look out there and just say, I'm just so frustrated because I'm responding to somebody, something out there. And James is saying, come on, don't they really come from your desires, that battle inside of you? To which we say, no, James, they don't. Have you met my spouse? I would like for you to meet my boss. Then you would understand the source of my quarrels. And the question that James is asking, to be honest, though, is not really a question. He's actually making a statement. Let's be honest. This statement, phrased as a question, it seems a little passive aggressive. Like it, it feels a little condescending, offensive even possibly, that our fights with other people come from us. But the problem is this is the Bible. And this is Jesus' brother. This is like Holy Scripture. So... Maybe, just maybe, we take another look. And look, if we can face this, if James is right, and if he'll tell us how to keep anger from potentially killing our relationships, maybe it could possibly change everything for us. He says that the source of our fightings and our struggles and our quarrels among us, the anger, they might not just be out there, that, that they, that person, instead of them, it could be in us. 
Maybe the source of our anger is something going on inside of me. Maybe the source doesn't come from his or her inability to see the world the way I see it, even though that's the way we often see it, right? See, I think sometimes the reason I struggle is because you will not see things my way. And if I could just get you to see everything my way, which of course is the right way, right? If I could just see, get you to see things my way, then we wouldn't fight and quarrel. We'd all get along. And James says, no, you don't understand the root. And as long as we think the source is out there, we're never going to deal with it. And we're actually going to feed something ugly and dangerous in here. You see, this principle, this thing that he's teaching us, man, I'm, I'm telling you, it could be life-changing, relationship-changing. It's relationship healing. In any relationship, if both parties can embrace what James is telling us, man, it could change everything. So let's go back and let's read the verse again, okay? Don't they come from your desires, quarrels and fights, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And the answer is yes, every single time. Because think about it. The reason we fight the reason that we quarrel, the reason that we are angry is because, watch this, there's something that we want that we're not getting. Like that's simplified, right? Like we want respect and we're not getting respect. We just want for them to clean up their room because that shows that they respect us and they care for our things and we're not getting what we want. I just want you to come home on time because we've talked about this 10 times. And you promised. But here's the thing. The source of my anger is not out there. It starts right here. I want something and I'm not getting it. And I'm telling you, the moment you begin to embrace this as a lifestyle, the temperature goes down. Anger will no longer be able to harm your relationships because you're angry, but you're not sinning because it can't control you. Because as we see... As we're going to see, your moods, your mouth are not going to be able to be controlled by this emotion. And so here's what James goes on and says. He says, you desire, but you not have, so you kill. And we're like, okay, Micah, that's a little extreme, right? I haven't killed anybody. I've been angry, but I haven't killed anybody yet. Here's James's point. And this is what should call us, all of us, to just stop and at least consider whether or not this is true. His point is this. He's saying, look, if you don't recognize, if we don't recognize that the source and the root is in us and not out there, we have the potential, we carry the potential to do things we never thought we would do, say things we never thought we could say, take things to an unhealthy and a, a destructive extreme. Because as long as we think it's him, it's her, and since you can't control them, you'll feel like you have an excuse to not control you. And here's what happens. As long as I think it's them, that my anger problem is them, it's 100% them, then since I can't control them, I give up all reasoning when it comes to controlling me. Because she deserves it. He deserves it. They deserve it. Whatever it is. And James says, look, he comes along and says, look, I'm telling you, 
the very thing that leads to murder, it's potentially in us. It's inside you, me. What, because what causes murder? Well, somebody wants something. You covet, but you can't get what you want any other way. When they want something they can't get and it drives them to murder. Somehow it justifies the response. And what do they do? We've seen it. They blame the other person. And look, you may not physically murder somebody, but how many have killed a relationship with anger? Because they didn't realize the source was in them and not out there. What if the root is not out there? What if the root's in me, in you, that we're not getting what we want? To which we all say, time out, hang on. I earned it, right? You earned it. Like if you, you want to get what you earned, right? Yeah, I do. And what you're not getting, when you're not getting what you earned, when somebody treats you unfairly, cheats you, that's on them, right? Well, if you getting mad and blowing up, it doesn't help the situation, that's on them. But let's say you did a really good job, you deserved the promotion, but somebody else got it instead. Did that other person who also wanted the job promotion but got it, did they actually wrong you? Or maybe there's something else in the equation that you don't know about. You see, that's, that's still an internal root, though. I earned it. Yeah, and also, wait a minute, they promised. I should be able to be angry because they promised. Come on. They promised and they didn't keep their promise. Right. So the bottom line is you want them to keep their promise. Yes. So you're, you're not getting what you want. Yeah, okay. So, but then also, it's not fair. I mean, like what they did, anybody can see that what they did was not fair. And you want what's fair, don't you? Yes, I do. I want what's fair. So you're not getting what's fair. No. So you're not getting what you want. Hmm. Now listen. If we can just pause in the moment where that frustration or anger or rage or whatever word you want to use, when that start rising and you can pause in that moment and recognize, you know what the problem is? You know what the problem is? What, what if the problem is me? And parents, this should be so intuitive for us, right? As parents, we're trying to teach this to our kids. It should be easy to see because look, sometimes our kids are totally oblivious to how they're behaving or misbehaving, right? And the impact that it's having on everybody else's life, right? They just throw a fit in the middle of the store. So you make the mature choice to leave your cart in the aisle and calmly walk out of the store and remove your child so that you can coach and instruct them in a loving manner. In theory, that's all great, right? But in that moment, when that two-year-old throws themselves on the floor and starts screaming like, a, like they're a wounded animal caught in a trap, and that whole theory part goes out the window, right? With the pain and the embarrassment, maybe the feelings of inadequacy as a parent, the humiliation in front of all these people punches us in the gut. And when we realize our ch child is acting insane, and these, you know, these feeling, all the calm, logical side flees. And we're about two seconds from the incredible Hulk showing up in that store, showing that child who's boss. 
So maybe James is right. Maybe it's more than what's outside. Maybe some of that stuff lives on the inside of us. Maybe not being able to control others causes me to control, to lose my temper. And maybe we need to fix that. So how? What are some practical ways? Well, I'm glad that you asked because this is a practice that actually takes time to develop. You don't, you don't sit down at a piano and expect to know how to play Mozart on your first attempt, okay? But you don't neglect it either if you wanna play piano. You practice until you, strict training until you get the hang of it. So here's what I'm gonna strongly encourage all of us to do. If you're married or you're in a couple, if those, those situations that in the past has been, uh, th- th- there's some situations that probably have been contentious Here's what I want to encourage you to do, to practice what I call mindful communication. That involves being mindful in the way that you correspond with others. And and it includes setting an intention, being fully present, remaining open, not judgmental. And if you're feeling anger, realizing where that, they may be stirring it up, but where does it actually come from? that you're fully able to listen to what's being said and not being overly reactive, and you're in a calm uh, calm way, you just ask a question to, gl- to gain clarity. You stop before you speak. Avoid raising your voice. And look, even if you're not married, this is something that mindful communication is something that you can do at work or friends, school. But when you feel your bre- blood pressure going up, just stop and think, what inside is making me feel this way? Inside. What hot button just got pushed, but why do I feel this way? You could diffuse the bomb before it goes off. And sometimes it would be good because if we boil it down to this type of anger that could destroy a relationship, it boils down to I'm not getting what I want. And it's funny, this is, this is an interesting method is like, I sometimes, Melissa and I have been in an argument. You're a pastor, you don't argue. Uh-huh. <laughs> We've been in an argument and I've said, you know what? The problem is I'm not getting what I want. And she's like, Look, there's no comeback from that. Like there's nothing, there's nowhere to go from that. But it's me realizing this is in me. This is in me. There, there's an old story of a, of a young man who was uh, work. He had a temper and he worked for an old farmer. And one day he got frustrated with a piece of equipment and he kind of went off and started yelling and cursing at everybody around him and at the equipment. The old farmer hands him a box of nails and a hammer. And he instructed him to go drive nails into a fence post until he calmed down. So the young man comes back about a half hour later with an empty box of nails and the old farmer then sent him back to the post with a pry bar and instructed him to remove all the nails from the post. And so after about an hour, the old farmer goes to check on this young man who's working hard in the heat of the day, angry, removing the last of the nails. And then the farmer said to him, he asked him a question. He said, do you see these holes that are left in the fence post? The nails represent your words spoken in anger, the emotion that you allowed to fly out of your your heart and out of your mouth. 
And you can pull the nails out, but the holes are always left. And the scars remain. The damage to the post is already done. And just like this post, we can apologize for what we said. We could try to make amends. But so often, the holes are left. The damage is done. The strength of the relationship has been compromised. And if it keeps happening, it, that post can no longer stand. But that choice is ours going forward. When we make the choice to be mindful of our emotions and take the, mind, the, the time to really consider what is causing the anger in ourselves and we deal with that, the pain caused to others can stop. The fence post can be made or kept whole, if you will. And relationships can grow and flourish without it happening again. Imagine how strong your marriage could be when you could be open and honest with each other and not feel like you're constantly walking on eggshells because of what's in you or in the other person. That healing. And look, that's not just for your relationship, but it's serving as a model for generations to come after you. As your kids see that practicing what you're practicing in your relationship. Because remember, you can teach your children what you know, but you will reproduce who you are. So it's so important that we deal with what's in our heart. What is in our heart? You may not have this, had this modeled for you as a child, could, but could you imagine how you could change your family tree and how it grows for generations and generations, nurturing healthy conflict? Trust me when I say getting this area under control, look, it'll spill into every other area of your life because this doesn't just help with anger. It can actually help with fear, insecurity, every other negative emotion that stands between you and the life that God promises you that you can have. So keep this in mind. When, you, when we get really good at this, when anger no longer controls us, when we get really good at recognizing where anger comes from, that the source of our anger is something going on inside of us and not just about what somebody else does, then we have the tools to kill the relationship killer, anger. Would you stand?